Welcome everyone into another edition of the Ferrario Faceoff here at Klaibs Online along with my good buddy Mike Claiborne. I'm Alex Ferrario as it is game three tonight for the St. Louis Blues against the Colorado Avalanche. A daunting challenge being down two to nothing with this Colorado team that Klaibs, I don't know if anybody has a solution for Nathan McKinnon right now. Well, maybe give him a different start time. Uh, you know, lock him on the bus. Yeah. I, I just, you know, every now and then you run across a player who just gets off to a hot start and then all of a sudden the puck starts to follow him. And that's what's happening with him now. I mean, a couple of those goals, they go off of somebody. It's a deflection, you know, um, but when the puck follows you like it's following him, uh, it's hard to stop. And the Blues don't really have an answer for that. So the question is, what do we do? The question is, make sure nobody else scores. Right. Uh, and make him work on the other end. And that's something that the Blues haven't been able to do. But, you know, Alex, I'm I'm one of those guys who believes, whether it's the Blues being up by two or down by two, I don't think series start until game three um, with regard to you going to the other person's building and, and just trying to see if you can keep the momentum going or can you change the momentum. So uh, tonight I think is going to be something that we'll find out the character uh, of what the St. Louis Blues are all about, and uh, we'll find out if Colorado has the grit to to fight through whatever the Blues throw up against them. Yeah, and I want to get to that character part in a minute, Claves, but back to Nathan McKinnon. You know, two of those three goals that he scores, of course, the one being a hat trick, but the other two goals that he scores, they were they were scored because of bodies in front of the net. Yeah, if you go and look at those goals. I mean, Nathan McKinnon takes shots from the blue line, which look, the guy has a rifle when he shoots the puck, but. There were three bodies in front of the net, and one of those bodies was a defenseman for the Blues. Like, you can't be overpowered and overmatched by bodies in front of the net. I mean, you get Gabriel Landeskog taking the eyes away from Jordan Bennington. You get Jonas Donskoy getting a tip on goal, two tips actually in that game. The Blues have to find a way to be more physical and get those guys out of the crease because those guys are going unscathed. Well, you, you're right, and this is the difference when people talk about, well, you know, these guys are Stanley Cup champions. Well, the Stanley Cup champions don't have any of these guys that weren't any of these guys on their blue line right. with the exception of Pareko. And Pareko, as we know, is not what you call a physical defenseman, but they knew how to position themselves to give their goalie a look. These guys that are out there now, either because of lack of experience or just lack of skill, aren't getting it done. And hence the reason why Bennington is getting beat on goals that he never even sees a shot. And and they've got to figure that out, and they don't have a lot of time to do it. And it, it doesn't mean that you have to cross-check a guy. It doesn't mean that you have to be able to give a guy a two-hander. But you have to be able to put yourself in a position to deny these, these guys spots on the ice where they can set up shop. Um, and they just haven't done it. Maybe they're just not physical enough, but they're going to have to figure it out here soon. Well, and you got to make them regret going to the front of the net, right? Like if you go yeah, back you to that make, eight, make them pay the price. You're right. Right. Make like back in price. 18 and 19. And look, I, at the time, Joel Edmondson was there. Robert Portuzo was a, poor, a course part of it. And Carl Gunnarsson as well. And then you got Petro and Bowmeister. But like you, you make those guys regret going to the front of the net. Like I specifically remember against the Dallas Stars, Jamie Benn tried to set up shop there an awful lot, but it would be Petrangelo or Edmondson or somebody coming through, giving them a little shove to the back that says, if you're going to get this, you're going to work for it. But Jeremy Rutherford had a piece in The Athletic a couple of days ago, and he interviewed a former NHL defenseman, Curtis Foster, 
and he sent basically video to Foster of the Blues game one, and Foster gave him the quote that said, look, Gabriel Landeskog's scoring a goal, and he's not taking any skin for it. That, in my opinion, is the problem. No, you're right. I, I'm As you mentioned that, I'm trying to figure out who Curtis Foster is. I've never heard of him. <laughs> he was all uh, over the but, place. <laughs> but I, I do agree with Curtis, uh, former National Hockey Leaguer, that I don't remember. Flames, uh, I promise I didn't make him up. <laughs> uh, but 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 the point is they've got to figure out a way to get it done. And yeah. they know how. It's just a matter of execution. Um, but, you know, this is going to be a tough task. I mean, you don't have two of your, your top players um, that you're really counting on. And we haven't heard anything on Bortuzzo. The way Justin Falk looked, I'd be shocked if he was able to dress out. Yeah. Uh, so what do you do? Then you throw out some guys who don't have enough experience. But you know what? It's a National Hockey League, and sometimes you have to learn on the job. So I, I just I, they got they have their work cut out for them. Man. Yeah. That's all you can say. They do. Uh, and, and you know, but here, here's the other thing. And I used the word character earlier. This is a team to me that's been character challenged all year with all the challenges that have been presented to them. And the times you think they would respond, they don't. And this is another one that we're going to see. We, you know, we don't, I don't, I really quite honestly don't expect them to respond because they haven't shown it in more dire situations during the course of the season. Well, and that's the difference. I mean, you go back two years ago, you know, they felt like they had something to prove when they were the worst team in the NHL and Craig Berube took over. You go to last season, Klaibs, they felt like they had something to prove in the regular season because everyone said that it was a fluke that they won the Stanley Cup and they win their division. This season, they have been struggling with that because, you know, you look at the Bobby Plager passing. That was a moment you kind of expected them to respond. And oh, my God. What an they, embarrassment. Yeah, they didn't come out with any fire in that one other than Braden Shin, who dropped the mitts in the faceoff. But there have been occurrences this season where, you know, Jordan Bennington has tried to light a fire with this team and they've come out and won those hockey games. I think this is the true test of the character of this team tonight. Because if I'm Doug Armstrong and I'm looking at this roster and saying, okay, I gave this championship window five years and this is year number three for us, you got to go out there and show Doug Armstrong that this is a championship caliber squad. And I think you do that in game three when you're down two to nothing. No, you, you, you're right. And, and I just, man, I just don't know. Uh, yeah. You, you, you watch the fire and you know, there's a half a dozen guys who show up, you know, Kyle Clifford. Well, you're looking at Kyle Clifford being one of the most committed guys and maybe because he's been a champion and he understands this better than some other guys. Uh, but you don't have enough guys that that really want to be committed. And that doesn't mean fighting. That means playing the body. That means, you know, making an extra check, standing in front of a guy, making sure you deny him a spot on the ice. Uh, the little things that we don't see enough guys doing. I mean, think about the goals that the Blues score compared to Colorado. Colorado's goals have all been scored within home plate, uh, that area around, around the net. Uh, the Blues' goals, well, they just, you know, they've been more luck than skill. Uh, because nobody's been committed to going to the net hard and drawing penalties and things of that nature. So I don't know what Craig Berube says uh, other than this. And I'll ask you this question. Lineup changes. Yeah. You have to make them. So who's in, who's out in your opinion? Well, I think it comes down first to David Perron if he's available. And I don't think he will be because as of last night, he was still on the COVID protocol list. Um, so if that's the case and you don't have David Perron, me, I would pull Zach Sanford out, and I would put Dakota Joshua in. I think I would have Joshua as the center on my fourth line. And for me right now, I, and I know people are going to think this is crazy, Claves, but I think I'd pull Tarasenko out, and I'd put Clem Costin in. 
I just don't feel like Tarasenko is 100% on the ice. And Craig Berube said it after game one that, you know, he was good in the first few minutes of that first period and then he just stopped skating. I mean, Klaibs, regardless if he's 50%, 75%, or 95%, which I don't think he is, he's got one shot on goal in two games in the playoffs. So for me, I think I would put Clem Costin in place of Tarasenko. And I know those are very two opposite players, but at least I know Clem Costin's going to bring some fire to the game. Well, you, you know what? Here's one of the things that, that I think only in hockey, we never know about an injury until the season's over. Yeah. And while we may wonder and we may criticize and question a player because we think he should be better. And then we find out later, well, you know, he was playing with a broken neck or, you know, he, he was right. playing with a half a hand or something. His I mean, shoulder's been hanging yeah, off of exactly. the bone. You know, everybody's got these blood and gut stories, you know, to, to kind of justify why a guy was not as good as you expect him to be. You know, I, I don't believe that anymore. I, I You know what? I, I think that's too easy of an excuse. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget there was a time when Brett Hall was not playing well in the playoffs. And a player was telling me, well, you know, he's hurt. I'm like, really? And so I went to Hully and asked him, I said, how, how serious is your injury? He said, what injury? He <laughs> said, I was just horse shit. You know, I mean, and, and I remember this happening on more than one occasion, not with Brett Hall, but with other players. Yeah. So, you know what? I, I don't care at this point. You know, if you can't disclose it or, you know, get involved early and let mm-hmm. people know what's going on, then, you know what, I don't I don't want to hear it when it's over with Yeah, because it's too convenient. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I think that would be a wake-up call for everybody, even Tarasenko. You know, I if agree. he's hurt, then we get it. If he's not, then that ought to let him know, you know, look, this isn't working. You know? and, and even and even if you don't take him out of the line of clips, like let's say they don't want to take him out you want to keep him in and you don't play Clem Costin. If I'm Craig Berube, I'm looking at Tarasenko and I'm saying, we need more from you, and until we get that, you're going to be on the fourth line for us tonight. Because Sammy Blay, Sammy Blay has been kind of like a myth for this Blues team because we've been told he can be a top six forward, and he has shown that he can, but he's also been plagued by injuries his last three seasons in the NHL. But when he plays, he seems to find the back of the net. So if, I'm, if, if Sammy Blay's healthy for me, I'm going to put him up on that top line with O'Reilly and whomever's going to be on the right side because I feel like Sammy Blay is going to offer me a lot more than what Tarasenko is in terms of offense. And for me, also, I'm putting Braden Shen in the center position. I think we talked about this the other yeah. day, but Braden Shen is better as the center position. And when Craig Berube went back to short Shen and Tarasenko uh, the other night in game number two, that was a very noticeable line on the ice. Yeah, you know, that that's a good point you make. Uh, and I know I remember us talking about that and, and moving Thomas to the wing, uh, mm-hmm. who is basically he's invisible also right, right. now. And uh, I'm not that guy who continues to give guys excuses. Well, he's young. He's no. You know what? He's in the National Hockey League. He's had a year under his belt. He had a whole season under his belt and it's still the same inconsistent performance. Uh, but you have to do something this that's eye-catching but not over dramatic as far as your lineup but i agree with the two uh insertions you you think should work tonight or could work tonight now what do you yeah. do about the blue line what happens if you're out with without bertuzzo and falk 
Boy, you're at a position where there's nothing you can do. I mean, Jake Wallman's unavailable because he's still on the COVID protocol list, much like um, David Perron. And Craig Bruby said Wednesday night that Wallman wouldn't be ready Friday, even if he was off of that list. So he's out. Um, the only two guys that you have available, which there is a third option, they recalled Ty uh, Tyler Tucker from the AHL. But I mean, Klebs, this. Okay. This, so, this, like yeah. Jake Foster, who's Tyler yeah. Tucker? Yeah, Jake Foster. <laughs> Yeah, this guy won't even sniff a playoff game. I think he's emergency basis. So I he's think your a black two ace options, is what he is. Exactly. I think your two options are going to be Vince Dunn because he has been skating. And I think that the Blues have just been sticking with what's been working or not working, however you want to look at it. So Vince Dunn will probably get right back into the lineup. And Steve Santini is going to be the other guy. And look, Santini's played okay hockey for you, but I, not I, enough, not, though. Yeah, he's not a playoff solution for you. Maybe he brings a little fire to the back end of your pairings, but look, you're losing Justin Falk, who's your top defenseman in ice time. And in my opinion, yeah, exactly. Yeah, he, he's been your top defenseman this this postseason. Well, and the minutes that he takes up are, yeah. are critical at this point. And, and he plays the penalty kill. He'll do the power play. I mean, he does a lot right now. He's kind of what Colton Pareko was expected to be for the Blues. So if Santini basically is replacing Robert Portuzo, that's fine. Maybe you can do that. But Robert Portuzo blocks shots. Robert Portuzo plays the penalty kill. I don't know if Steve Santini can do this. So Does I would Santini imagine. Santini play the body at all? I mean, I haven't seen enough of him to, to be able to give a real opinion of it. You him. know, the two games that he played in the regular season, Claves, and look, this is a journeyman in the NHL. He's played in the NHL. He's played in the American Hockey League. Um, the games that he's played in, he's played a very solid game. Like, it reminds me a lot of Carl Gunnarsson. Joe Vitale says it a lot on the broadcast. Like, you don't notice him on the ice, which is a good thing when you're a defenseman. Yeah, that's a good point. So I think that's what you'll see from Santini. But here's the thing. You're only going to get maybe 12 or 13 minutes from Steve Santini, Claves. Like, he's not going to play 25 minutes like Justin Falk will. So you're going to get an advanced um, role for Tori Krug, for Colton Pareko, for Marco Scandella, and for Vince Dunn. I think those are the four guys that are going to get a higher role. Well, I, I think that Pareko's got to step up and give you more, uh, period. Yeah. Uh, he's got to be more physical. He's got to really carry the puck. I mean, he's one of the best skaters on the team. We know about his shot, although teams have really figured out how to defend his shot. Yeah. Uh, but he's got to really step up. He's a guy that probably is going to – he probably needs to play 27 minutes tonight. Yeah, period. I agree. And, I agree. Uh, we'll see what happens. Let All me, right, before – go ahead. Let, yeah, I was going to say, let me throw this one more at you before we get on the NHL for a couple minutes, Claves. Um, We've all talked about trying to solve Nathan McKinnon's line, and it seems like it's impossible to do. What are your thoughts if I were to throw this at you and take the Ryan O'Reilly line off of the Nathan McKinnon matchup? Like, what if – because right now he's going to score goals against you. So part of me feels like you're not getting anything from Ryan O'Reilly because he's focused on trying to stop Nathan McKinnon. What if you put another lineup against him tonight? Like, let's say like you it. put I Shannon like Schwartz against him tonight and let Ryan O'Reilly see if he can get some mismatch with the other lines. Yeah, I, I like that. I like that idea. Um, you got to have your other goal scorers in a position to score. Right. You know, O'Reilly, Hoffman, those guys probably need to be playing against someone else mm. uh, where they can focus. And I think that that's something that they've got to try at this point. I mean, you know what? At this point, Alex, everything is open. Yeah. Uh, everything is open for you know, trying something. So yeah, uh, I, I like agree. that. I like that idea. Uh, Cause Ryan O'Reilly is still your best player mm -hmm. and you got to put your best player in a good position to do what he does best. And, right. you know, while he could be a Selkie trophy winner, I don't need, I need him to be more of a, uh, of a goal scorer right now. So that, that's a great idea. I yeah. like it. And, and I hope we see it tonight. Me too. 
Me too. So a couple on the NHL clubs. Let's start with the uh, Toronto game, Montreal game last night, because that's the topic of everyone's discussion right now. Very similar situation in terms of a player gets hit to the head. Maybe not as dirty, in my opinion, from the cadre to Justin Falkett, but um, Corey Perry with a knee to John Tavares' head, which looked like I don't know if he was expecting that, but that was a nasty injury for John yeah. Tavares. Haven't heard anything more other than watching him get stretched off. And, you know, I think because it's Corey Perry, there's always going to be a little something that follows him because he's mm -hmm. been that kind of guy that really gets under your skin. You're right. Uh, and I just hope Tavares is okay. But, you know, one of the things that's interesting about that series, you know, it's the first time these two teams have played each other in the playoffs in 42 years. It's unbelievable. That's, you weren't even born when this took right. place, all right? Yeah. And, uh, you know, this it, it's a spirited rivalry. Um, and, and, you know, the other thing is, you know, the Leafs are the longest-running team in the National Hockey League not to get to the finals. Yeah. You know, last time they got to the finals was when the Blues had been commissioned to be part of the National Hockey League. Yeah, I really wasn't alive then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, uh, and I remember, and they had some good teams, but, you know, those guys, they have, you know, great grandkids now. Yeah. I mean, that's how long ago it's been. But to have those two teams, two storied franchises yeah. uh, to play against each other, and now the rivalry would even become more combative because of what happened last night. Um, you, you, but the difference is neither team has the muscle to do anything about it. Yeah. So they'll have to focus on playing hockey. But, you know, we're seeing a lot of hits like this, man. And, and you know, I, I think what's happened is this. Because players play with such reckless abandon because of two things. One, players feel like they shouldn't be hit like that so they don't protect themselves. Mm -hmm. and, and two, players don't know how to play the body. They just throw themselves at people and, you know, whether it's an elbow or a knee or whatever, uh, you know, they just feel like, well, he's got a helmet on. He should be okay. Right. Uh, they've got to do a better job at this. And and I don't know how you do it. You can't do it in season. Uh, you can suspend a guy or whatever. But I think at the end of the year, they, everybody needs to sit down and just say, hey, boys, look, this is how it works. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't know if you show them a video, but I think the old school players, be it coaches or whatever, need to remind guys uh, how this game works. Uh, because now we're talking about threatening players' careers. Yeah. You know, and I mean, I'm concerned about Bortuzzo with the amount of hits to the head he's taken in his career. Right. You know, the next one could be his last one. And so um, we'll see what happens on that front. But that was that's going to be a spirited series, going back yeah, to the original point. It, it definitely is. And to the point of those hits, Claves, I mean, look, Bortuzzo got hit in the first game of the season that was to the head. And I think that was from Nachushkin, and he was out for some time. And then this is another one by Tyson Jost um, from the Colorado Avalanche side, where it doesn't sound like there's going to be any suspendable acts there. But look, George Peros has a lot on his plate right now with the Kadri hit to Justin Falk's head in that game on Tuesday, which is an in-person hearing. And now you wonder if there's going to be anything with the Corey Perry situation because, again, he's a repeat offender. I think repeat offenders get a lot more attention. I mean yeah. – uh, Look at Tom you know, Wilson. <laughs> yeah, if you throw the book at this guy, if you throw the book at Kadri or Perry, okay, so they're out for the series, okay? Mm -hmm. But, you know, the point is, you know, you've lost a good player. So I don't know how you deal with that. Uh, you know, hockey is a, is a reactionary game. And, you know, how you deal with those sort of situations, uh, first of all, cooler heads have to prevail. Mm -hmm. uh, but you have to enforce what's in the book, so to say, and, and how that gets everyone's attention. I guess we'll find out. Yeah, we'll have to find out what Peros decides to do. And, and again, they haven't announced anything with the Kadri situation, but an in-person hearing means at least five games 
for that player. And that's a repeat offender. Remember correctly, when he was with Toronto and had the same thing happen, he missed the entire first round with the Maple Leafs. Well, I think in this case, he probably should miss two rounds. Yeah, probably the playoffs. Yeah, no, I, I think that he shouldn't be available for at least two rounds. Yeah. Um, because, A, uh, this round could almost be over. So no no harm, no foul there. Right. And B, because he's a repeat offender, he's got to really understand the significance of his of his act. Because not only has he hurt himself, he's hurt his team because he is a valuable player. So I think he's good. He's down for two rounds at least. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you there, Clips. Well, let's do this. Why don't we close it out? We'll talk Monday uh, to find out if the Blues forced a game five out in Colorado or if the season's over. And we'll be talking about some offseason situations for Doug Armstrong. I'm looking forward to either one. All right, Claves. He's Mike Claiborne. I'm Alex Ferrario. Thanks so much for joining us on the Ferrario Faceoff. We'll talk to you Monday for more Blues hockey here at Claves Online.